I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that Jesus is revealed today. I thank you, Father, for something powerful happening. And if there are any who are sick or who are under duress, under a heavy burden, I pray that that burden will be lifted. I thank you that you help me to preach your gospel full of power and help everyone who is watching and listening wherever they are doing so in the world or here in the auditorium. I thank you that they will hear with faith and they will receive and let us know today that your gospel is not only in word but it is in power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated right now. In John chapter 12 and verse 21, we have the account of some Greek worshipers who had come to Jerusalem, and it says in verse 22, they came to Philip and asked him, Sir, we would see Jesus. Seeing Jesus changes everything. Now, whatever... Excuse me, Philip. Philip, you have some loudspeaker on your thing so we can all hear the communication between you and the control room. So would you please uh, control that? How many are glad that the control room can control that? All right. Uh, so let me go back again to say seeing Jesus changes everything. Now we could look at the scripture. There are examples, many in the gospel. When someone encountered Jesus, everything changed. Maybe the most notable is Simon Peter, who was, we know, because of his story being told that he was a man given to vulgarity, given to uh, anger outburst. And so we find him at a low time in his career. He has fished all night and caught nothing. And then he encounters Jesus who says, cast out your nets on the other side. And contrary to what seemed reasonable, he did so. And when he caught that great draught of fish, then it says that he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. That was often the reaction. And that is still the reaction today when people encounter divinity. When people encounter the Holy Spirit, they become afraid. Because they think that God is there to condemn them, to put them down, to shame them. And so Jesus, as you find throughout the scripture, says to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you something that you are not at this time. You're going to become a different person. You, you see, God always wants us to be assured that he's not there to condemn us or put us down, but he is a good God and he is for us. After, after the stories are told in the Gospels, of course, there are many appearances of Jesus after the ascension. Jesus comes to, to Paul, who was called Saul of Tarsus. And, of course, he was a theologian, so he understood all about the Hebrew traditions and about the Hebrew feast and about the sacrifices and about the prophecies. But he himself was as it's not uncommon, he was a religious man full of murder and hatred. You know, sometimes religion makes people murderous. Religion makes people angry and evil. And so he's on his way to Damascus. But, but he has this religious understanding, but he's going there to, in the name of his God to imprison people, maybe even kill some believers in Jesus. 
And then suddenly he sees this cloud of, of glory. Now, you and I may not have known what it was, but being the theologian, he understood right away, this is God's Shekinah glory. And then he looks, and he sees a man standing in the glory. Now, again, because he's a theologian, he understood no man can stand in God's glory and live. So, so, so why is there a man in Shekinah? So he says, who are you, Lord? He knows this must be some kind of high Lord divinity. Who are you? And the answer comes, I am Jesus who you persecuted. And he was like the scales fell from his eyes. You mean you, you, you're the one that my friends just crucified? You're the one that I'm fighting against? You're the one that me and my gang, so to speak, because it was Saul of Tarsus's friends who had been involved in the crucifixion. You mean you are the one that we thought were from the devil, that we thought was evil. You are that one. And suddenly, because he understood the Hebrew scriptures, it was like a thousand pieces of a puzzle fell into place. And he saw it. Well, if he... Jesus is standing in Shekinah, then he is not who I thought he was. And suddenly he realizes that all the sacrifices that we have done for millennia are no longer needed because he was sacrificed. He is the fulfillment. God who spoke through the prophets in times past has now spoken once for all through his son who he has made heir and joint heir of all things and all things are to be put under his feet and that's maybe why Saul of Tarsus later on called Paul he never wandered from the message of grace like some of the other disciples because he has seen it so clearly he was caught up into the third heaven he had an encounter with Jesus it changes everything Simon Peter, after Jesus had gone back to heaven, he, he had an encounter with Jesus when he got caught up in religious legalism and he was condemning people. And Jesus spoke to him. And even though he ignored Jesus, he said, Jesus, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Eventually, he, he got straightened out. And Jesus said, don't go around calling people common and unclean after I've already cleansed them with my blood. Don't do that. And hey, you see, an encounter with Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. And see, it's one thing to be an adherent to a religion, even the Christian religion. It's another thing to have seen Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. You know, I have seen Jesus. That's why I, I say I could not walk away from Jesus. We have too many memories together. I hear sometimes people say, oh, I don't know, maybe I just thought I'd given up on, on Jesus and walk away. Well, no one should be so proud and mighty and think I could never fall. Of course, none should think that, but I would say it would be mighty hard for me to walk away. I have too many memories of Jesus, and I want to give you a little bit of teaching and a little bit of my testimony. Number one, the first time I saw Jesus, I saw Jesus in the scriptures. As a little boy, I thank God for my parents. I thank God I went to church. We didn't have video shows. You know, I'm a very old man. We had flannel boards. And the Sunday school teacher would put up little pictures. 
and I was intrigued. I saw Jesus healing the lame person. Stories out of the gospel. I saw Jesus hanging on the cross. I saw Jesus resurrected. They, they showed me Jesus in the scriptures. And that's all it took. The Holy Spirit used that uh, to, to, to draw me to Jesus. I received Jesus. I was born again because I had seen Jesus in the Holy Scriptures. Later on, I came to realize how profound this was. I came to realize what many Christians have never realized, that the entirety of Scripture is about Jesus Christ. See, the way it was presented to me is that you had 39 books called the Old Testament. Then you had four books called the Gospel. Those were the part of Jesus. That's where you learned about Jesus. And then you had Acts and the Epistles and the rest of the New Testament. And that was kind of the, the afterthought where they explained it all. But really those four books were the books about Jesus. But I'm so glad that many years later, far into my preaching career, if you wish, Jesus showed me what I should have known from the beginning, but I, you know, it seems most of the preachers I was hanging with didn't know it. That Jesus had told to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he said in Luke 24, 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus says, the books of Moses and the prophets are about me. Well, I had read those, but I never saw the name Jesus there. Later on, I understood symbolically was there and Joshua is similar to Jesus and all that. But this was a revelation that I could find Jesus anywhere in the Bible. Later on in the same chapter, verse 44, Jesus told all the disciples, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law and the prophets and Psalms concerning me and I came to realize that as much as I had learned as a young boy I hadn't seen that the totality of scripture would show me Jesus but I was not alone the apostle Paul encouraged me because he said in 2nd Corinthians 3 14 their minds were blinded until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. I realized that I and many preachers with me, members in my church, because, I, you know, the members can't go any further than the pastor, the one who is teaching, right? I realized we hadn't fully discovered Jesus in the scriptures. For example, when we read about Elisha receiving a double portion, we had, as best as we could, concluded, oh, if Elisha needs a double portion, I must need a double portion too. And so we had double portion conventions and we had double portion Sundays and everybody was pressing in for the double portion and pray, pleading and fasting and crying. But then I realized this was not the gospel. This was not the New Testament. They never had a double portion convention in the book of Acts. So they must have known something that we charismatics in Canada didn't know. And then I got thinking about it. Of course, that was Elijah and Elisha, and they lived before Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't see the picture that we see. And I realized we don't want what Elisha had. Elisha would have liked to have what I have. <laughs> and then I came to realize, you know, I don't need a double portion because once you go down that road, 
who says you wouldn't need a quadruple portion. I mean, it never ends, and then you want to double the quadruple portion, and you can go, you know, so many times. Why don't I need a double portion? Because I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And what an insult it would be to suggest I need a double Jesus. Because if I need a double Jesus, a single Jesus is not enough. I mean, how many Jesuses do you need to live in you? I have Jesus in me, and that's enough. So, so it's not that I don't like Elijah and Elisha, but when I saw Jesus in Scripture, it changed everything. You know, uh, that dear beloved brother Jabez, you know, one man wrote a book about Jabez, that we should all struggle like Jabez. And, and there's a lot of good things to learn from Jabez, and I preach about Jabez. But, you know, I have to change it a little bit because I live after Jesus came. Jabez lived before, so he prayed, oh, God, that you would bless me. Oh, God, that your hand would be upon me. Oh, God, that you would expand my territory. But since I live after Jesus did all that, I cannot pray, oh, God, that you would bless me. But instead, I pray in accordance with Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I cannot ask for God's hand to be with me because he already said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So how could I have more than that? I like Brother Jabez, but you know, I realize I don't want what Jabez had. He wants what I have. I have Christ in me. Oh, you see what happened? When I saw Jesus in Scripture, it became a treasure hunt. I'm not going to take time because I have many things to share with you, but I could go, just give you some of the books of the Bible in the book of Genesis. After everything had fallen apart, Jesus is the seed of the woman that would bruise the devil's head and bring us victory. In the second book of Moses, Exodus, he's our Passover lamb who brings us out of bondage into freedom. In the book of Leviticus, he is our, our sacrifice. You know, they had peace offerings and whipped offerings and sin offerings and thanksgiving offerings. Jesus is every offering fulfilled. I love the book of Numbers because there's a strange story there of a rock that spouts water everywhere. I mean, it seems strange. It seems like a fairy tale. But the apostle Paul explains it. He says that rock that you read about in the book of Numbers, that rock is Christ. And so when you are in a dry land, Jesus gives you living water. And that's available for you today. And when I, when I read the book of Deuteronomy, you know that book about the great prophet, I discovered Jesus is a prophet but greater than Moses. Jesus is much greater. He has fulfilled the promises for us. Moses took them to the promised land. Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. Oh, we could go all day. Joshua, he is the captain. He's the forerunner. He's the first fruit of our salvation. I love the book of Ruth where he is my next of kin. Emmanuel, God with us, who redeems us. We're talking about healing. What better book to look at than the book of Job? Because he sure gets got sick bad. I mean, he had boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He stunk so bad. Even his wife said, curse God and die. Get the whole thing over with. His family was killed. He lost everything. 
and he thought God was his problem until a young man called Elihu, don't worry about it, it's there in the book. He says, I got to come and talk to you. You've been listening to the wrong preachers and I can say that for some folks today. And Elihu began to tell Job that God is a good God. And Job's mind changed. And he said, God, I've heard of you. I thought I knew you. Everybody was telling me about you. But now I see you. And you are nothing like religion said you were. You are a good God. And then he began to pray for his religious friends that had led him astray. And when he prayed for them, God healed him. Oh, he's a healing God. Oh, we could just go on and on and on and on. He is our substitute. He is Isaiah 53, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and and by his stripes we were healed. He's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Oh, I'm just giving you little tidbits. He is the burden bearer in Amos. He He is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Yes, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. And I continue to see him in scripture. But then I saw Jesus in a different way. I saw Jesus in a person. It's exciting to see Jesus in the Holy Scripture. But I have seen Jesus in a person. Now, growing up, coming into the Christian faith, I had many people who taught me about Jesus. I'm grateful for that. Maybe I should have seen Jesus in them. Maybe it's nothing wrong with them. It was my view that was wrong. I don't know. But they taught me beautiful things. But there's something even beyond being taught about Jesus by a person, by gifted teachers and prophets and apostles, but to see Jesus in a person. It says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. It was not like John and Peter were some humanly perfect people who in everything reflected Jesus, but there was something in them that made people think, oh, they're just like Jesus. In this case, it was boldness. You know, it could have been many things. Could have said because they were so nice, because they gave everybody free coffee, because they had a friendly smile, because they were they were they just greeted everybody so kindly. I mean, all those are nice attributes, but the one attribute that they said, "Well, we see Peter and John, and we, we think we see Jesus," because they're so bold. And this wasn't just some superstar preachers, because it says in Antioch that in general in the community, the non-believers call the believers Christians. They were saying there's something about these believers and maybe it was their love for one another that say they are Christians. That's where we get Christians. Something about that. You know, I saw Jesus in a person. I saw Jesus in a man who later on became my friend, T.L. Arnold. I saw Jesus. I subscribed to his magazine, and and of course the magazine I was just reading about. But I've told you the story how when I was first invited at the age of 20 to go to a non-Christian country, I thought, what do I say to Hindus and Muslims? I didn't know what to say. I couldn't just come with my Christian 
terminology. They didn't know Romans from concordance. I mean, how, 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 how am I supposed to communicate? So I thought, well, the best person that I know of that could help me, I've been reading this magazine, is T.L. Osborne. I told you, I collected all the money I had, and I wrote to Osborne Foundation, Box 10, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And every cassette was $2 in those days. That's a little while ago. And I was waiting breathlessly for this box of cassettes because I ordered everything, everything I could get. And one day it arrived in the post office in Niagara Falls, Ontario. I was so excited. I remember I drove as fast as I could with this box of cassettes. I put the first cassette in. I went into the basement, closed the door. I wanted to be alone. I thought this was going to be holy. And so as I put in the first cassette and I was listening to it. And I was so disappointed. I told Brother T.L. Osborne that later on. He's gone to be with the Lord now quite a few years ago. Tina and I went to his uh, homegoing celebration in Tulsa just a few years ago now. And I told him this, so I'm not speaking behind his back, but he's okay anyhow. He's, he's in heaven, you know. I, I, I said to him, you know, I was disappointed. I was used to preachers who shouted and screamed more. I, I was used to preachers who did a lot of hallelujah, praise the Lord all the time. And just, I said, this guy was more like he was lecturing and, and he had a little bit of a high-pitched voice. He didn't have that deep, preacher baritone that I had come to experience. So I said, well, I'll try the next cassette. Maybe it's better. And that was the same. And then I tried the next, and it was no better than the first two. So then I thought, I better listen a little bit longer. There must be something there. So I went back to the first one. Eventually, I got through them all, and I, I listened to those same things. And I had to turn it off. I said, Jesus, well, why is this man successful? I could easily say what he's saying. He was just saying things like, Jesus is here now. Jesus will open blind eyes tonight. Jesus will make the lame to walk. And I said, that's easy. There's not even deep theology. You just stand up and say these positive statements. In fact, I've heard many preachers say that, except nobody ever walked and nobody ever saw, but they said it, and the people shouted a lot, and they prayed a lot. So then I said, Jesus, why does this work for this man? Instantly the answer came. Because he believes what he says. I thought, oh, that's deep. I said, so, 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 Jesus, I said, I don't want to say things I don't believe. I don't want to say things that just makes the audience excited and makes them shout in a Pentecostal fashion. I want to say things because I believe them. Then, of course, I learned later on because T.L. Osborne became my friend. He actually visited me up here. He was in our church here during, to celebrate one of my birthdays. And so I was uh, very, uh, we became good friends and talked many times and visited on many different occasions. So I heard him, which I'd seen him writing, that, that he had seen Jesus in another man. His story was because he wanted to serve God. He came from was a farmer boy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, from the Oklahoma region, outside Tulsa. And he became a missionary in India. But he failed as a missionary. He went to Lucknow, India, and he was trying to convince the Muslims there and the Hindus, but particularly he was reaching out to Muslims, that Jesus was the Son of God. And he describes how he sat with his Bible, but when he brought out his black book and tried to show to the Muslims that Jesus was the Son of God, then the Muslim friends, they brought out their black book called the Quran. 
and they proved their things from their book. And they were back and forth. So finally, T.L. Osborne said, I gave up. I said, I'm no good here. I'd go back to America where people believe the Bible is God's word. So there I can just quote something and people will just believe it. No sense in being in India. They have their other, their holy books because uh, so my ministry cannot work here. I need to be in a culture where, uh, you know, people believe the Bible and respect the Bible. And then he went home and he said he went to a meeting in Portland, Oregon. The reason I know the story so well because he told me in person and I read it in his books. And, and, he, and he saw a man. He saw a man praying and God doing wonders. And then T.L. Osborne would always say, and I like this so much, he said, if I can do that, if that man could do it, I could do it. And if I can do it, you can do it. I never heard a preacher talk like that. I always heard preachers say, well, if you fast, if you pray, I'll give you my anointing. If you press through, they always made it so hard. That's what all the religious gurus do. They claim that they have monopoly on some enlightenment. And through many, much climbing on the spiritual ladder, one day maybe you will reach this place, this plateau of breakthrough and anointing. But T.L. Osborne said something to me that I believe that I want you to believe when I'm saying, he said, if I can do it, you can do it too. To me, that was seeing Jesus. Because Jesus had said in John 14, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than I do. He didn't say someday you just reach to my level, maybe, possibly, if you try really hard. He says, no, you can do what I, what I do. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and, and so here, uh, go ahead and clap if you want to. So here, they said, and, and, and that's what it was. Boldness wasn't yelling and screaming. Boldness was just firmly saying, this is how it is. You, you, you see, that was the distinguishing mark. Proverbs 28, verse 2 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. <laughs> I mean, people make up phantom ghosts, you know, they say they got phantoms chasing me Uh, nobody's chasing them at all but they just make it up that's what the wicked do but the righteous everybody said that's me we are as bold as a lion first Thessalonians 2 2 says be bold in our God Hebrews 4 16 says come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in time of need second Corinthians 7 14 Paul says I come with great boldness of speech And John the Apostle said in 1 John 4, 17, he says, on the judgment day, I have boldness. Oh, many people are so afraid of the judgment that they say, oh, oh, then finally everything is going to be exposed. No, 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 no. Jesus said, as I am, so are you. And if Jesus is not afraid of the judgment day, you don't have to be afraid of the judgment day, but you have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are you. Oh, that was a beautiful thing. I saw Jesus in another person. That was beautiful. But then I saw Jesus in a different way. I saw Jesus in wonders. I saw Jesus in wonders. It says in John 6, 2, a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were sick. A sign always points to something. A sign shows you a direction. And it says here, this is, this is in the scripture. The scripture is always involved. That when they saw miracles, they saw Jesus in those miracles. That's why you, you probably hear in my own home, 
beloved church family, you've heard it. Maybe you're tired of my story here. My first miracle that I ever saw, I, I keep telling you, it wasn't even such a great thing. I mean, it was great, but it wasn't that great. It was just a man with a deaf ear. That's all it was right here in Toronto. And I gave it a shot. I gave it a try. I prayed for the sick. And after I prayed, I didn't dare to ask, has anybody been healed? Because I figured maybe it hasn't happened. I don't want to take any. It's looking good right now. I just said, go home to everybody. And two nights later, a man and his wife comes. They live down by Lakeshore over in Etobicoke. And he said, his wife and him said, you know, my deaf ear opened when you prayed. I could never talk on the phone. I always have to have it on the left ear. But he said, for years, I couldn't hear a thing. I always go, what? And he says, my ear opened. I said, my goodness, this works. Maybe I'm on to something. To me, you know, I've seen much greater than that. But the first miracle, I thought, well, how, I don't think I did it. I don't think I made it happen. You said, for years, you were deaf? Yeah, for years. I said, I didn't want somebody who'd been deaf just for 12 hours. I thought that could have maybe worked itself out. It was good. It was better to have a case that at least had some years behind it. I saw Jesus. Then you've heard me say, uh, some, some group of young people, they wanted to go down to Trinidad to evangelize, but they said, we don't really preach. He said, you're a preacher. And I was a young person. You come with us and preach in San Fernando. That's when I ordered those materials on T.L. Osborne. So I went down there, and I told you, I was preaching in Revival Time Church, San Fernando, Trinidad. I know some, I expected some hallelujah from Trinidarian. Trinidadian. I said, that, uh, thank you, I heard that. And, I said, and the first night I said, well, nobody knows me in Trinidad. So I could kind of test some new things, some new techniques here. Because if I go back and nothing happened, if I go back to Canada, I will never tell this story. So I said, now, everybody who is deaf, come forward. Nobody came. And as I'm standing there, I had a word of wisdom. The deaf can't hear what you're saying. So, of course, if you ask the deaf to come forward, nobody's going to come. You know, I was new. I was just testing this out. So I thought, well, i give it another shot. I said, now, I understand. And I explained, if you're deaf, you can't hear me. But, but maybe you, 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 you brought somebody who's deaf. You brought someone who's deaf. Please communicate in whatever way you communicate. Twelve people came up. I said, now I'm stuck here. Maybe we should have let, you know, just left it where it was, you know, fine. And then I began to pray. I didn't know. I, I think I did whatever I thought I should do. I casted things out and casted things in. I just did everything I could. To my amazement, 10 out of the 12 were healed right there. I thought, I'm on to something. How did that happen? Then we continued there for 14 days. Like that. You see, I, I began to see Jesus in wonder. Then, I love India so much. If you're watching from India, God bless you. Uh, because India meant a lot to my spiritual development. My first campaign in India, you know, I was just a young guy. So even the pastor who had invited me, he told me several years later how he despised me because of my youth. He had put big billboards up, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And, you know, back in those days in India, if you were a pastor, you should look very holy. You should never smile. And you should have the Bible up under the chin. So when I arrived, I looked kind of, my hair was a little long. I had bell-bottom pants. That was the style. And so when the pastor picked me up, it was about four days till the meetings were going to start. He disappeared for three days. He told me later on, I had to fast and pray and repent before God that I had invited you. Obviously, you were not a man of God. You didn't dress the part. You didn't look the part. He said, I, I had to repent. And, and he said, I went on for three days fasting and praying, asking God to forgive me. 
And he, God wasn't saying anything back to me. He said, so finally I did an old trick. He said, I just said, God, since you're not talking to me, I'm just going to open my Bible. And whatever my finger falls that verse, I'm going to read that verse. And I want you to talk to me. Guess what verse he received? He said to my, I closed my eyes, opened my Bible, and pointed my finger down. And it said that when Saul looked on David, he despised him because he was young and of a ruddy countenance. He said, that's the verse I got. And then he said, so that's when I came. He didn't tell me right away. He told me several years later. You see, he came out of the fast. He said, maybe, maybe God is somewhere in spite of the bell-bottom pants, you know. He wasn't sure. You see, but, but that means blessed me. That's when, when Jesus gave me. I always, I don't say that word, but that was the time. If you're with me around the world, I always say this. I said, Jesus came to me so and so many years ago, and he said to me that if you will preach my gospel, and if you'll believe it, the people will believe it. And Jesus said, you don't have to touch people. I will come and touch them. You hear me say that if you've been with me in festivals around the world, you may hear it if they play it on television. I said, there's an invisible hand. Pastor Nathan suggested if I write a book about my life, I should call it the invisible hand, and I might just do that uh, because that, that's the story I tell. And I said, now people are going to be healed 100 meters away and 50 meters away and 150 meters away because that's what Jesus told me in Karnataka State, India. I never forgot it, you see. And I began to see him do it. I saw Jesus in wonders. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I saw Jesus in wonders. I saw that he did wonders for me. One of the things, some years later, we had many uh, dramatic situations. I came to a part of India, uh, and uh, we had uh, much difficulty. A new government had just been elected that was really in their party platform anti-Christian. And so the day of our meeting's opening, they had just had their inauguration of the new chief minister, which is like the premier of that particular part of India. And the edict came to close down our meeting. So we had tremendous difficulties. People were throwing these homemade grenades like Molotov cocktails. They were burning cars. They were hitting people. I was just standing there preaching, trying to keep the sound system going best I could. And after the first night, we had seen some great things. And then they had a vote in the legislature. And they voted and said, or they at least came the edict from their police department that it said, uh, Peter Youngren, you're forbidden from uh, telling anyone that Jesus heals. And they said, you're allowed to preach because we have freedom of religion. And, uh, but uh, you're not allowed to bring anybody to the platform if they've been healed. And so this came from the police chief. And I asked him, I said, well, you go up yourself and read this. But this is what had happened. I received many phone calls that day. People said there's going to be a counterattack. The police are everywhere. It was a very tense situation. More than 200 police officers with their bayonets drawn were around the place. And so I was afraid. I had with me the person who at the time was the editor for Charisma magazine. Larry Kefauver was traveling with me on this particular tour. Not Nobody knew the struggle I was going through. I was saying, should I leave? Should I just close shop? What should I do? You know, there's nothing wrong to escape from a difficult situation. Paul escaped in a basket. You don't have to condemn yourself for that. My question is, I want to do God's will. 
And so there I was. I was pretty well determined. I said, well, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. There's no sense in being killed here. You know, there's another battle to fight somewhere else. And this is where I saw Jesus. I will never forget the moment where I was standing in that hotel room. It was kind of dark, and I was thinking, well, at least I should brush my teeth and, and wash my face to go to the meeting. I don't know. It'll be no meeting. I should just go and encourage the believers. And when I stood there, it's as real to me now as when it happened. I felt a presence walk up behind me. And I heard a voice say to me, I am Jesus. And my word cannot be bound. And then he said to me like this, don't you know that I don't need your ushers? I don't need your prayers because they had forbidden me from praying. I was allowed to preach. I don't need your prayers. That was news to me. I thought God really needed my prayers, you know. Certainly he would need my prayers. He says, I don't need your ushers. I don't need your prayers because I am God and my word be bound. I was standing there. I, I wish, I don't think I've ever been so shaken. I was, I was oh, what is this? And then I felt like I'm going to just walk out of the room. You know what I did? I started to laugh. You may not think that, I still remember, I started to laugh. I mean, that was long before the laughing revival. <laughs> Never heard of such a thing. Uh, uh, you know, I just laughed out loud, just laughing. And I was standing there, I remember looking at myself in the mirror, isn't that something? That Jesus doesn't need my ushers. Wow, that is something. And Jesus doesn't need my prayers. You see, I was just, I was just getting so happy about it. And then the phone rings. They say, well, are we going to cancel the meeting? What are we going to do? The chief of police was there. I said, I'm coming, I'm coming. So I got there and I said to the chief, would you please read the, the policy statement from the government that I'm not allowed to, to, to pray and I'm not allowed to bring people up in the pulpit? So the police got up and read it. We have it on video. He read it. And then it was my turn. And you know, it was, see, an encounter with Jesus changes everything. So I said, and most of the people were Hindus, I said to them, you know, let's give a big clap for the chief of police. So they all clapped for the chief of police who had just forbidden us everything. Pastors think I've lost my mind doing like this. And then I said, now, I said, just about an hour ago, Jesus came to my home. Oh, you know, one thing about my Hindu friends, they are spiritually inclined. And if you say to them that Jesus appeared in the hotel room, they're like, they're like, what? I said, would you like to know what he said? And they all went, yeah. So then I said, well, doesn't need my ushers, so ushers don't have to. He also doesn't need my prayers. I mean, the police have said, I can't pray, so I'm not going to pray for the sick tonight. But Jesus said, I don't need it. He doesn't need my prayers because he's God, and his word cannot be bound. And then I started to preach. I started to preach, and I'm thinking, oh, God, we better have something happen. I can't preach till, till Christmas here. You know, I might pass out. And so I looked at it, 20 minutes gone, I'm preaching away. Actually, I preached on that text, you know, where, where it says in the Paul's writings, his word cannot be bound. I've never preached on that before and after, to my knowledge. It's the only time I ever preached on that verse. I, I said, i got to find something in the Bible that, that, that agrees with what I just experienced. And, and 
Eric Kefalver from Charisma Magazine, the editor who was there, he, he describes that I have his writing of what happened because he didn't know anything of my background. He was just in the back of the field. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a woman in a wheelchair and she stood up, and, and, but she was a little shaky. You know, sometimes when something looks shaky, we think, oh, God can't be in it. So a couple of ushers, even though I told them I don't need them, they ran over to try to help her to get out of her wheelchair. But she was kind of a, a little bit of an ornery lady. She said, stop it. He told me, his stick. She said, don't touch me. And when she said that, she just walked out of that chair. And I saw she came towards me. And the chair was empty. People went wild. People were standing up. I wasn't asking for a testimony service. Someone jumped up holding his child. He said, my child was deaf. Now, now he can hear. It just, you see, I saw Jesus in wonder. Do you understand that after these kind of experiences, I'm thinking, what is, what am I doing here? What is going on? It says, it says in Acts 13, 46, that Peter and Barnabas waxed bold. Now, that's not how we say it, waxed, but it means they grew bold. And he's talking about miracles. I found this encounter Jesus brings boldness. Then you see his wonders. You become increasingly bold. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm back to the topic of boldness. You see, see, see how, boldness is not something you stir yourself up and kind of get going. No, 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 no. It, it, it comes from, from Jesus. You know, my friend who's also gone on to be with the Lord, Don Gossett, he coined the phrase, I'm sold on being bold. I'm sold on being bold. Everybody say it. I'm sold on being bold. So I thought of that when I was preparing to share with you today, and I, I want to give you seven reasons why I am sold on being bold. Number one, I am bold because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. I, I want to be bold because Jesus was bold. It says in John 7, 26, Behold, he speaks boldly. Jesus was courageous, fearless, daring, confident. That's you and I. Number three, because boldness is a Jesus-like quality. He is my role model. They had been with Jesus and they were bold. Number four, I, I'm sold on being bold because desire for boldness is the passion of believers. You know, it says in, in Acts 4.29 where they prayed in a very difficult time, it says they prayed, Lord, grant your servants with all boldness to speak your word. Boldness, they wanted it. And, and then number five, the Holy Spirit is connected with boldness. Acts 4.31, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with boldness. I want to give you the sixth reason. Because the name of Jesus makes you bold. His name is above every name. And at his name every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Acts 9.27, Paul spoke boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And I give you the seventh reasons. I have discovered that boldness is an integral part of seeing healings and wonders you know, in, in, in Acts chapter 14, it says they were speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to speak to you if you're wrestling with being fearful, being afraid. You say, oh, I don't want, I get to church. Some people go to church and they're all like, oh, I, I, 
they're just like really interested. They're waving their hands, but then they get to their high school or their workplace. It's like, hmm, don't talk to me. You know, this is not religion we got in here. You meet Jesus, you become bold. You meet Jesus. You, when, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, prior to that, I was a very timid person. But I became bold. So I saw Jesus in Scripture. I saw Jesus in other people. I saw Jesus in wonders. And my time is running out. But the greatest vision of Jesus that I've ever had and that I have is when I saw Jesus in Scripture. Greater than any wonder, any miracle, I have seen Jesus in faith. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know if that could happen because you're thinking about failures or you're thinking something negative. My friend, Jesus is in you, not because you are perfect, but because you are beloved. You are beloved of God. See, see th this was hard even for the disciples. It says in John 16, 12, that Jesus said to them just before his crucifixion, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. If I'd been one of the disciples, I would have said, Jesus, tell me, tell me, whatever it is, Jesus, I can handle it, I can handle it. I've been walking with you for three years, Jesus. I just bring it on, Jesus. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Not there are a few things, there are many things. Here, disciples, you walked with me for three and a half years or three years. You've heard all my teaching. We've been, you've been alone with me. But there's still a lot of stuff that you can't, you can't handle. Oh, I would have said, Jesus. I mean, come on, I'm one, if I was one of the 12, I'd say, come on, Jesus. I can understand if you don't share it with the 70 or the 500, but I'm one of your pillars here. Bring it on. Jesus says, no, you can't handle it yet. Interesting. So Jesus dies, rises again, goes to heaven. The work is finished, but the word is not yet finished. They don't know everything about it. But then comes that former terrorist, that radical Saul of Tarsus who saw the vision on the road to Damascus and he says in Colossians 1.25, I became a minister to fulfill the word of God. Wow. So you can't know the full word of God unless you study Brother Paul. He came to fulfill the word, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations. What is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have you seen Jesus in you? Because that is the greatest vision that I have of Jesus. Paul says, final verse, Galatians 1.15. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. He said, I have seen Jesus. Now, now that, that, that sounds like Jesus was in Paul the whole time. He just didn't see it. Didn't see it. He, he, initially, he, he just didn't see it. He didn't come right away. Maybe that's you. You say, well, I, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I pray. And Jesus is in you. And you know it theologically. You know it doctrinally. You have it in your head. But you haven't seen it. I, I saw that. Oh. You see, 
God is revealing Jesus in you that he loves through you, he sees through you, he believes through you, he touches through you. This is an awesome revelation. Because I always had the idea of God on the outside, God far away, God removed somewhere else. That is the view of religion. And I'm talking about not some other religion. That is the view of the evangelical church by and large. That's why we pray every Sunday, God come to be with us. I always wonder where he's coming from. Maybe he's been visiting the Baptist for the week and we're just hoping he's coming. I don't know. God come to be with us. We're always praying and yearning from that of a, of a position of not have. I don't have it, but I want it. Sometimes you say, he was closed this morning. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, it was somewhere there in the ceiling. There was some, some spirit hovering there. But thank God, when you see Jesus in you, you are set free from that. You're set free from this. God is somewhere else, and I just wish he would come here. I, I hope he's coming. Or, or sometimes you hear a pastor say, well, you know, we had an awesome time a couple of months ago. God was really present. And we've been hoping it'll happen again. <laughs> I said, you've been hoping? I'm not hoping for that. I have Jesus Christ in me. He is my faith. Uh, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. He loved me and gave himself for me. He lives through me. Hallelujah. This was, this, and shortly after I saw Jesus in me, I began to ask questions. You can't just have a revelation and go on just in your own way and say, oh, that was nice. Some people are like that. They, have some, they say they have an encounter with God and then everything goes back the same. I don't want too many visions because if I get a vision, it kind of occupies me for 10 years. So I can't have one every day or every month. I have to run with that vision. And so I began to say, all my life I try to have faith. All the preachers I knew, they tried to teach me to have faith. And they were saying, here's how to have faith. And I struggled. I, I gritted my teeth. I prayed till my knuckles turned white, clenching my fist. God, give me faith. Give me faith. Give me faith. Give me faith. And then people say, well, you just got to read the word because faith comes by the word. So I was memorizing and memorizing. And I know some people have memorized more than me, but they didn't seem to have any more faith than I did. And then I discovered that the word in the Bible is first and foremost the description of Jesus. He is the word that became flesh. The Bible itself, well, if you call it God's word, I have no problem with that. I believe what it says. But the Bible itself refers to the Bible as the Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Scriptures declare him who is the word. The word is Jesus Christ. So then I realized, you know what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by Jesus who is the word. Faith is a gift of God, not of myself so that no one should boast. I can't work for it. I can't produce it. And I began to think about that. I said, oh, that's too heavy to preach that. I said, I can't just, you know, you can Some things are, are so kind of nice little truth. You get it on Friday and you preach it on Sunday. That happens sometimes. But if you get something really revolutionary, I should just think about it for a while. Take a few months. Take a year. Meditate on it. I meditated on this for a couple of years. And in Georgetown, Guyana, in the National Stadium, Jesus set me free. For the first time in my life, I said, you know, in myself, 
I'm really bad at having fun. And I said, you are too. And then I looked at all the sick people. I said, you know, you're all hoping to get healed here tonight. That's why you came. But in the back of your head, you're thinking, what if nothing happens? I said, that's what I'm thinking too. See, they were thinking that I was thinking better than they. They were thinking that, oh, we are thinking that, that what if nothing happens? But he is the man of God. His picture's on the poster. He must be, he, he just must be so sure. But I said, I'm just like you. So I said, wonderful. Now we have come to the conclusion that your faith is no good and mine is no good. Because just having faith and doubting at the same time is no good because Jesus said only believe. He didn't say believe and then doubt in the back of your head and then believe some more and then doubt some more. He said only believe. See, see, believing is not hard as long as you can just run it with doubt side by side. It's the only belief. Fear not, only believe. That was my partner was the only person. So then I said to them, so we're both equally useless. You don't have good enough faith and I don't have a good enough faith. Good. We got that thing taken care of. So now we can look outside of ourselves and say, who has the faith? I said, Jesus has the faith. And then I said, he has put that faith in me. So I'm not looking outside of myself. I have that faith in me. And I said, when I pray for you, I'm not coming with the faith of Peter Youngren trying to stir himself up and trying to, trying to, I'm trying to get myself to the right kind of frame of mind, a little bit psychological self-influence here to kind of bring me to a point where I feel like, ooh, now it's, I said, no, I'm coming with the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of the Son of God. Ooh, I tell you, I saw Jesus in him. Let's stand together right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We, we already have almost 2,000 people watching Facebook Live. Number one is Ontario, 342. Number two is Pakistan, 230 people from Pakistan are watching. We have Saskatchewan coming in strong, United States. And then in order, Sweden, Indonesia, Myanmar, Kenya, and on it goes, all right? So people are watching, I'm sure, here in Toronto. And then when we show this, if we have 2,000 now by Wednesday airing this, probably be 50,000, 100,000, I don't know. But I know that, uh, that this message is reaching you on Facebook on this very cold snowstorm Sunday when half of Toronto is shut down. We still have many beautiful people here in the room, and we have you on Facebook. I want us to lift our hands. Please come. Whoever has instruments, whoever is supposed to come, come on up to the keyboard, and uh, we're just going to worship Jesus right now. I saw Jesus in the Holy Scriptures. I saw Jesus in another person. I saw Jesus in miracles and wonders, but I saw Jesus in me. Oh, hallelujah. See, a miracle happens and then it's over and we remember it, but Jesus in me, it's with us perpetually. It is continually. I want us to lift our hand and just worship Jesus right now. He is so beautiful. He, I don't know what songs you know, Tim, but do you know do you know there's something about that name? Have you heard that song? All right. We're going to lift our hands and just worship Jesus. If you're sick in your body, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask our healing room workers. Where are our healing room workers here? I want you to join with me today. If you came out here, where are those who are involved in the healing room? Would you wave at me? Would you come and stand here right across the front? Come and stand right here. 
and, and just face the congregation. Those who are in the healing room ministry, come and just face. I've asked them to join me. I could ask many others. It's not that it's limited to them, but I had to ask some. You know, I had to just pick some people. And so I'm going to ask them, just spread out a little bit. Some of you, maybe Joan, you go over this side here and just face, face the people right now. I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has revealed himself to you. This is really a spiritual discovery to discover Jesus. So much could be said about this. We worship you, Jesus. If you have that song, just worship Jesus right now. Jesus, 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 there's just is confirming. I ask God to confirm his gospel. That we would know his gospel is not only in word, but it is in power. So I'm speaking, doesn't matter whether you're watching on Facebook Live, when you come out here in this inclement weather, you are here right now. And the healing Jesus is here. So I want you on Facebook to feel like you were right here in the auditorium. Don't, don't, don't feel like you're somewhere else. We are all together. We are hooked up. We are linked right now. And so we are worshiping Jesus, and his healing power is here right now. The people of are healed of arthritis. Somebody had damaged your wrist. I don't know if it was from a fall or what it was, but arthritis has come and said in there, Jesus is healing your wrist right now. Just begin to move that. There are other cases of arthritis being healed in the legs, in the knees, in the feet, in the shoulders, in the name of Jesus, I speak to arthritis to leave. I want you right now when I speak these things, begin to do what you couldn't do before right here in the room. Those of you watching on Facebook Live, you begin to do that at home right now. Whatever you couldn't do, whatever wasn't possible for you to do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it in the name of Jesus. Right now, there's got healing from arthritis. Pain has come. And sometimes it was something that happened a long time ago and it didn't bother you, but then it's been coming back. And so in the name of Jesus, move your foot, move your knee right now, move your wrist. Jesus is healing you. And just go up and do it right where you are 
here in the room and watching at home right now. We worship you, Jesus. Uh, I praise you. Thank you, Lord, for healing heart conditions right now. There are many across the sound of my voice that are being healed in your heart. Uh, you've had some kind of a doctor's analysis or diagnosis, or maybe you're just aware of, of, of heart palpitation. The healing power of Jesus is touching you. Remember I said, there were peace offerings. Jesus is our peace offering. And so peace comes to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for healing of the heart muscle right now. I give you praise. I give you praise, Jesus. Thank you for this. We give you glory in the name of Jesus. I speak to cancer. I speak to any incurable disease to bow for the name of Jesus. I speak to cancer to go in the name of Jesus. We receive the healing power of God in the name of Jesus. Receive it and take it right now. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Someone else is being healed of a muscle problem. It's not just that you have weak muscles, but there have been some infection or something, a virus or something in your muscles that has weakened them and Jesus is healing you. I speak to that foreign thing, that infection, to go in the name of Jesus. And we receive health, strength are coming into your upper arms and your shoulders already. Lift your hand and begin to worship and thank God for healing now in the name of Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. He is the healing Jesus. He is there beside you right now. He has never changed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Someone has had a problem in your hip socket. It's like it's been wearing out. I don't know what the medical term is. Forgive me if I don't use the accurate medical term. But it's like those ligaments and bones, they have been wearing very thin. And as soon as you move a little bit in an off way, that pain hits you sharp. In the name of Jesus, there's healing for your hip joint right now. There's healing for your hip socket. There's healing for your hip bone. In the name of Jesus, receive that right now. Lift your hands all over this room and just give Jesus praise. I thank you, Jesus. You are a healing Jesus. You are a healing Jesus. I give you praise. I give you praise, Jesus. I thank you. Thank you right now. Uh, what is that causes that ringing in your ear? It, it's very painful and it's sharp. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that that auditory nerve, that auditory nerve is healed in the name of Jesus. I thank you that if we need a new nerve there, in Jesus' name, I speak healing and life to the auditory nerve. Be healed in the name of Jesus. If you had a healing apparatus, take a hearing apparatus, take it out right now. Jesus Christ is healing you. Let's give Jesus praise right now. Let's give Jesus praise. I worship you, Lord. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you helped me to see that frozen shoulder. I mean, literally, you can just lift your hand about even, so your hand is about even with the shoulder. But in Jesus' name, I speak boldly in the name of Jesus, and I command that shoulder that's kind of frozen, stuck in that way, in Jesus' name, become unstuck. I thank you for healing in the shoulder. 
I thank you for healing in the bone structure there. In the name of Jesus, we receive healing and life now. Begin to move your arm, move your arm. Jesus is healing. If you're watching on Facebook or if you're here in the room, there is healing power for Jesus, from Jesus for your shoulder. I worship you, Lord. I worship. There's so many other internal diseases, so many things inside of your body that God is healing. I thank you, Lord, for healing the kidney. Put your hand in the center of your body, wherever you want to put it, on your abdomen or your heart area. I thank you, Jesus, for healing the kidney. I thank you for healing for the liver. I give you praise. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord praise right now. I thank you, Lord, for healing life flowing to everybody. I give you praise, Jesus. I give you praise. You are all together wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask everybody who is watching me on Facebook Live, whether you are watching this over the next few days or right now, whatever you're hearing this, I want you to send a message what God is doing for you. Uh, there's a way there, you know, that you can send me a message and say, God, touch me in this way or that way. Because we want to give Jesus praise. We want to honor Jesus. And I know that's what we're here to do. I want to ask you, you know, <laughs> I just, we have a clock up here and I realize we're a little bit later than we are normally in the Sunday morning service. You know, we just kind of, I hope the children's workers are still blessing Pastor Peter out there now if the kids are getting a little bit unnerved. But I want to ask you just, how many here can say Jesus touched me here? You received you believe Jesus touched and healed you here today. Lift your hand. Only those. Only those. Who say, I don't want any courtesy wave. I just want those who say, if Jesus says heal me, lift your hand way up high. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ladies here. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. Everywhere here. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hey, let, let's just quickly, I, I, we got to move quickly because I don't want, I want those children's workers to still love me. I want those children's workers to still love me, you know, and be back next Sunday. If you lifted your hand, you said, God has touched me, just run down here. Run down and stand in front of these. Don't even talk to them yet, but just come on quickly here. Say, God, touch me. Let's give them a big hand. Come on right now. Come on. You say, God, touch me. God, touch me. God, that's beautiful. Come, 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 come here. Come and say, something is happening to me. Come real quickly. Come real quickly. Come real quickly here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank. Uh, come on down here, Artie. Help me start finding out what God is doing for people. Come on, Pastor Nathan, if you would help me. Alex, find out what God is doing for people here. Then don't you worry, you healing room workers. I'm going to give you a job in a moment here. You can start helping me. That's right. Go ahead, Lloyd. Start helping me. What's happening to people here? Let's give Jesus praise. Just check your body. Check your body what God's done for you. Sheila, check with that man what God has done for him. What's happened to this man? Come on over here and check. Somebody help me find out what's happening here. Let's give Jesus big praise. Let's give Jesus big praise. I give you praise, Jesus. I give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Dean, keep checking what's happening on Facebook. I don't know what our numbers are right now, but you'll let me know about that. What's happening? we got to go so quickly, Artie. I hate to rush you, even though I do that a lot. But, but what's happening right now?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God's power is touching you, Edmund, in the name of Jesus. Let's give Jesus praise right now. Let's give Jesus praise. What, what's happening over here? What happened to this lady here? Let me have that. What happened to this lady right here? Touched you. Touched me. He put his hands. Wow. I saw and I felt it. And, How, you uh, had an encounter with yes, Jesus. and pain from my eyes. You're never going to be the same again after an encounter with Jesus. Just stand behind her right there. Father, I thank you for this encounter with Jesus. Oh, thank you that things are going to be different. Not just in the healing area, but in many other areas. Things are different, so in the name of Jesus. You just let Jesus work deep in you, deep in you. What's happening, Pastor Nathan? Tell me. Both of these gentlemen, in fact, Raymond, he was the one who had fallen and hurt his wrist. And he come says, on up here. Come, come on. on up here, Raymond. That and this was gentleman the first. as well, same as well, same thing, same thing. That was the first, the first thing the Lord gave me. I just suddenly stood here, and I felt this sharp pain through my wrist. I don't have any problem with my wrist. In fact, China turned on the heat on the steering wheel, so I was really comfortable with my wrist here. But, but, but God, what happened to you? What happened? Let me have the microphone there. Okay, oh, here, here comes He Nathan. also has a wrist. His same thing. What, what, what happened to you? A few weeks ago, I uh, fell from my walk with the wrist hurt. Oh. Move it like this right now. It's Jesus showing himself real to you. Move it a little bit more. Amen. Is that feeling good? Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise. Thank you for honoring Jesus. Thank you for honoring Jesus. What's happening here? A tumor in your body. So I, I have a few things. I have um, multiple fibroid tumors, multiple thyroid problems, um, tinnitus in both my ears and vision problems. And while this lady was praying for me, and you were praying here for all, I felt the warmth go through my body, especially where the fibroids are in my thyroid region. Hallelujah. Was there any growth area that you could feel with your hand or with a touch? Um, no, but there are multiple thyroid issues. But you felt God's power. Yes, I felt God's What about power. the ears? I don't hear any tinnitus ringing anymore. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for honoring Jesus. Let's give Jesus praise. Give Jesus praise. What's happening here, Nathan? You this, tell this gentleman fell four years ago on the street line and hurt his wrist as well. Same thing. But he's feeling good here this morning. You feeling good now? Yes, after falling on the streetcar track about four years ago. Four years ago? Yes. Well, move your hand. Let me see that. Four years. That's really worth celebrating. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for honoring Jesus. Thank you for honoring. I, I'm hurrying. I hope that they, 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 that's, we have now uh, 2,094 are with us on Facebook Live right now. Keep giving me one other report. What's happening, Carrie? This is Margaret. She's been sick, very ill. She hasn't been here since last July. Uh, she was sick in the hospital for three months. Um, her boss, an old boss, called her last night and said, I'm going to take you to church today. Margaret hasn't been able to walk without her walker at all for months, many months. She hasn't been able to walk Woo! without her walker for many months. And then she wasn't able to lift her arm. Lift your arm and show them. Woo! Hallelujah. What Jesus has done. Hallelujah. Wait a moment, Carrie. You, you're going too fast for me, Carrie. Now, where is this boss? Is your boss here? Yes, he's right there. He's I like lovely, this man. I want to bring, bring that man up. Because here, now I'm going to. He's a lovely Jewish he, He's man. a Jewish man. Well, we, don't, we, we love Jewish people. God bless you. Now, now, you know, sir, sir, what's your name, sir? Les. Les. You know, Les, 
yesterday with that big snowstorm coming and everybody telling everybody to stay off the streets, you did the opposite. <laughs> you, you, I like this man already. I don't know him yet, but I like him. He said, well, when everybody's saying, don't go outside, stay indoors. It's the coldest day of the year coming up. Big snowstorm. He calls her and says, I'm going to take you to church to get healed. I like that, Les. God bless you. Amen. I tell you, how many think we can learn something from Les there? Come on. Everybody shout, Les, I'm learning something. Amen, God. And now I want to talk to you. So, so, so you couldn't lift your arm? No, my, my shoulders are. Lift them again right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now you've been using this for how many months? months. All right. So you haven't been here since July. No. And now you come because of him on this snowy Sunday. <laughs> Look at that. I heard Pastor Nathan said, you know, that Peter always warned me that on snowy days when people stay home, good things can happen, you know. How many know good things are happening? And he, and he went on the website and he says, on the website. It's going to be healing Sunday. You have to go. I like this man. He should be a preacher. I don't know what who move your move your legs a little bit here now. He is a preacher. No, he should be. He is a preacher. You feeling good? Let's give Jesus Hallelujah. praise. What a, what a beautiful thing. This is. What a beautiful. Sing it again. There's something about that name. Sing it, Tim. Call it your hands. Oh, he touched me. Yes, sing it. Oh, lift your hands. Oh, he touched me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and all the joy that floods my soul. Come on, lift your hands. Something sing it. Happened. Something happened. And now I know he touched me. Come on. something in you that says, oh, I was born for more. But then one way to describe this beautiful gift of salvation is like what Paul said, God by his grace revealed his son in me. Now for me, I had already been preaching. And I'd heard my life, whole life preachers, others were saying Jesus can do this and Jesus can do that. And that was great and I saw that. Tell you the greatest thing that happened to me is when I saw Jesus is in me. Not because I'm perfect, any of that, any of that. But because he is good and loving. 
I want to invite you to Jesus. I want you to invite you to encounter Jesus. To know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven. That God has nothing against you. You know, we can hear that said and it kind of hits our head and we say, yeah, that's nice. But the Holy Spirit is involved. That's why it's called being born of the Spirit. It's not just a mere uh, natural, intellectual, academic transaction of understanding. It is we are spiritually born. And if you say, I'm not sure that I've had that, that I've kind of drifted away from that. You know, sometimes the maze of religion gets people off track. And so I want to invite you to come to Jesus. You're watching me by Facebook Live. You're watching any other way you're here let's just bow our heads right now how many would say peter i want to be included in this prayer and i'm going to pray in a moment you say i want to receive the new life from jesus i want to receive this enlightenment i want to receive this this new life that i know my sins have been forgiven and shame and guilt is gone and, and i'm accepted in jesus the beloved if you've drifted from that if you've never known that while every head is bowed, if you say, Peter, I want to be included in this prayer, lift your hand way up high, wherever you're standing. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Beautiful. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. That's beautiful. Let's everybody pray. Would you say, Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father. When you pray on Facebook Live at home where you are, let's say it. Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, that I'm loved. thank you that I'm loved. I thank you that you have shown that love to me. And now I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. My Lord. Jesus died in my place. He rose again. And Jesus, you live in me now. Thank you so much. Amen. Give the Lord Jesus a big praise. Would it, be, would it be bad? Would it be bad? I hope not. Could you who lifted your hand, would you come? I saw that I'm going to come and stand right here. Sir, would you come right here? I saw, would you come, ma'am, right over here? There were some people over here. I want to give you a book, you see. I want to give you a little book. Do you mind if I give you? Come on, it's okay. We're family here. We're small. This is not a big meeting. We have a snowstorm, you know. Only the real, real faithful came here today. Who else lifted your hand? Come real quickly. Come real quickly. Sir, I'd I like to give you the, If you want to receive this, come on, come on. I'm so glad that you were, that you, were you know, bold enough to acknowledge I need Jesus. And you too. I mean, you, see, you probably thought, I'll never go to the front of that church, but you came here. God bless you. God bless you, sir. And there's one or two others. I want to give you a little booklet from this gentleman here. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I want to, can I have some of my prayer partners come here? Some of the prayer partners, if you'd come and have that little booklet. Carrie, that's right. Carrie is on her, she's on her job here. I see. See, Seth, that wasn't the word I was looking for, but I forgot the word. I want to give this to you. Carrie, would you just take, I don't want any long thing. You know that anyhow, but I'm saying it not for your sake, for their sake. Would you just sit right over there? Just take about two minutes maximum. She's going to give you something, and you'll be glad you received it. And maybe Pastor Nathan come over and say hi as well. And we're really glad that you came. Oh, my goodness, you came on a snowy Sunday like this. God bless you. That is awesome. But, Joan, if you'd show this lady here, and Paul, you help you. Let's go right over there. Let's give them a big hand. Give them a big hand. 
Now, my, my, and those of you who are receiving Jesus on Facebook, send your name and address, and we will send you the same material that we're giving away here. Hopefully, we have it in your language. Now, I have a recommendation. Just go right over there. Just, just sit down there where you have an empty chair. I, I have a recommendation. I mean, you do whatever you want. How many of you know we do whatever we want anyhow? That's why I always say to people, do whatever you want, because that's what you're going to do. I have no illusion that I can talk you into something. But I'm telling you, about two hours from now, there's something really hot that's going to happen here. A prophetic healing. I'm promising all kinds of things here now, Tim. Don't put the pressure on Jesus. He can have a, a concert, a worship. And so you may as well go and find a nice little restaurant. They don't have many customers today anyhow. We have food here. My goodness. Please don't go anywhere. And hang around if you want. At 2.30 we start up. But there's pizza right here. And if we run out, go help one of these merchants who have no customers today due to the weather. And be a blessing and tell them what you're doing here in town. And then we'll see you next Sunday again. It's going to be great. But, but don't miss this afternoon. Are you ready to go, Tim, for this afternoon? I'm ready. You're ready. You're stirred up. Yeah, what yeah. song have you got for us before we leave? We'll sing Heartbeat again. All right, let's do Heartbeat. God bless you. We'll see you at the door. God bless you. Da, da, da. Just call